Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference. Now here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Rachel Vigil. Welcome in to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner, Rachel Vigil coming at you from our homes. Again, like I say every week, still doing the social distancing to stay nice and safe. But Eric, I just got back from Las Vegas and let me tell you, the WAC Men's Swing Championships were so much fun to watch. They were fun to watch. I checked some of that out on ESPN Plus. And uh, getting back to our, our homes here, I'm at a new studio, if you will, uh, moved in the past couple of weeks. I don't think I've done a podcast from here yet. So living uh, closer to the WAC headquarters in Denver and Parker, Colorado. But yes, UNLV, congratulations to the Rebels on winning the WAC championship in a record score, no less, uh, Rachel. And only six teams in men's this year. So there was a little fewer than we've had in years past. I think it made maybe for a little more exciting of a championship, especially at the diving, you know, at Northern Arizona, women's had already taken place. So they were kind of the the center focus, if you will, at uh, UNLV there. And it was very exciting to watch. It was so much fun to watch. And we have head coach for UNLV, Ben Lures on in the circuit third segment of the podcast so a lot of fun but northern arizona for the women's team man, they're setting records too <laughs> we were pretty sure they had a pretty good shot at winning their eighth straight whack championship after the women's portion of the swimming uh knowing that they always have a strong diving program and of course they, they did go on to win but uh also a uh, california baptist give them a shout out on the men's side uh, getting uh, winning all the events or, or three events, I believe, in diving uh, on the men's side. So a strong performance by the Lancers on the uh, platforms and on the diving boards. Yeah, that was one thing. I love watching the diving portion of them. So I weren't able to because it was split up uh, for those social distancing guidelines and everything else. But sad, but congratulations to the Lancers. And then also in cross country, CBU dominated. They did. I had a chance to watch some of that. Uh, we did that on Facebook Live at a, at a static shot at the finish lines. And CBU, I was there the last time we had a WAC championship, 2019, uh, in, the, in the fall. And that was in Kansas City. And they lost on the men's side by only three points. And I know that was a big check mark for Adam Tribble, the head men's and women's cross-country coach at CBU, to get both. Only the second time in WAC history that we've seen a sweep with the men's and the women's. The other one was Utah Valley back in 2015. But CBU also coming away with the two individual champions as well. So very dominating performance by the Lancers, who in three years on the women's side, Rachel, have won three WAC championships and don't appear to be slowing down. No, not one bit. And it's also hard to believe, Eric, that it is March. It is I cannot March. believe we are saying that. It is March. March Madness is right around the corner. And after not having it last year, I am really looking forward to it this year. I saw the tweet last night from the NCAA with the kind of the bat signal saying it's March. And it was when it hit, you know, midnight at, in uh, on the East Coast, of course, recording this on a Monday. And I, I got excited. I'm like, we're going to see March Madness this year. Knock on wood, you know, that who would have thought last year at this time we wouldn't have seen March Madness. But it's been quite a year. It's been, as we've mentioned before, a very long year. Sometimes it seems like five years ago. Sometimes it seems like a month ago. But uh, we're here, and holy cow, are we setting up for a great conference tournament that's only, what, about a week away now? A week away. I cannot wait. But first, we have to crown that regular season champion on the men's side. Women's side, CBU's already taken it. But right now, the series for the men's championship is pretty much between Utah Valley and Green Canyon. 
and they get to play each other this week. So what better way to figure this out? Now, we do have an official way to determine the championship, Rachel. I want to make sure I get this correct here. You got to break out the calculator. So since everybody has different numbers of games played, or most teams have different numbers of games played, the 2021 Hercules Tire Whack Basketball Tournament will use a formula taking into account the winning percentage multiplied by percentage of conference games played. So I wish I could sit here and tell you exactly what that means, Rachel, but I don't think I can. And I'm sure happy I don't have to figure that out. <laughs> I won't lie. Uh, yeah, I mean, so much is up in the air. We really don't know exactly what the conference tournament is going to look like yet. We're still kind of waiting. And just like every other conference, I feel like as well, though, a lot of things are still up in the air. But going back to that Utah Valley UVU game real quick, the Lopes have lost two of their last three. Whereas UVU, they swept UTRGV last weekend. So they're kind of rolling on the high right now. Two teams with different momentum. Now, GCU did win their last game that they played against Seattle U. They, they lost against California Baptist in the second game, then lost to Seattle U in the first. So they lost back-to-back, so they lost two or three. But Utah Valley playing UTRGV, a team that we had not seen a lot of uh, this year, of course, with the passing of, of Lou Hill, uh, missed a series there. Also with, you know, various COVID, you know, things going on, all that good stuff. They had only played a couple of conference games. So they go on the road to Utah Valley and Utah Valley wins both games. And we've talked about on the show, Rachel, Utah Valley one through four is one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league with Fardaz Amak, with Evan Cole, with uh, Trey Woodbury and with JJ Overton, that, that, that foursome. Any, any one of those four guys can take a game over and win a game for you. And I don't think a, a lot of teams, every team would want to have four guys like that on their roster. Yeah, and especially, too, when you look at the big men for that team, Bardas Amak, Evan Cole, when they both can go off, like I know they did on Saturday, you're in for it. And Fardaz is so consistent with his play still averaging over 15 rebounds a game. So he's our whack ticket smarter player of the week. And his rebounding average was lower than what it's been all season. It was like (laughs) 14.5, but he's, uh, I believe second in the nation in double doubles. He is, he's just consistent. I mean, you can count on him 18 points, 17 points, 14, 15 rebounds every single game. And then you sprinkle in the other players that that's a tough combination to beat. And I can't, wait to see this uh, series this weekend against Grand Canyon. I'm excited for it as well. Now let's look at our WAC spotlight games from last week. That was New Mexico State at Tarleton, another <laughs> split series that we had there. You know, I, I as we pick these games, we're, we're trying to highlight all of our teams. Uh, Tarleton, it was our first time there. Thought, uh, you know, with Billy Gillespie and that that would be a pretty good matchup at this point. And New Mexico State came out and blew the doors off of them by 31 points. And I'm thinking, well, New Mexico State's back. I mean, this is the New Mexico State we've been watching the last four or five years. And then the very next night, Tarleton comes back and beats them. I would have never thought that would be the case watching the game the night before. So it just shows you how tough it is to beat an opponent two nights in a row, especially a well-coached team like like Tarleton is with Billy Gillespie and what they can do and being at home. And uh, New Mexico State, I mean, th- that first game, uh, Johnny McCants, he, had, he was hitting threes. He was going inside. He was, he was impossible to stop. And then Tarleton figured out a way to win the next night. Another game that's going to be really interesting, UTRGV is going to NM State. Well, El Paso, the home of the Aggies this season on Tuesday morning. So the Vaqueros, 
that got postponed earlier in the season and now they'll head down to play the Aggies, which should be hopefully a good series. Actually, they're just going to play the one game because of the games being Friday and Saturday and uh, just trying to get as many as they as they can get in before the season ends, which is going to be on Saturday, Rachel. The game, the season, regular season is going to be over. But uh, the, yeah, as you mentioned, they'll play in El Paso. So that way they have a little recovery time for their next series on Friday and Saturday for, for both teams. New Mexico State's actually making up another series. Remember, they were mm-hmm. supposed to play Dixie State the very first week of the season. That was postponed because of COVID. Now uh, Dixie State had a bye this week. New Mexico State had a bye. So they're also going to play those games. So three games that uh, New Mexico State didn't have on the schedule maybe two weeks ago uh, are going to be played this week now. Alerta's trying to get in as many as they possibly can. I just know that that entire team wants to get out on the court. Looking, though, I am so excited for the WAC Spotlight game this week. This might be one of the biggest ones that I've been, like, super excited for, and that's Seattle U at CBU. So the Lancers, they have big wins over GCU and NM State. They sit in third in the WAC standings. Well, Seattle U just got their win over GCU. And, uh, and Seattle U also beat New Mexico State. So both these teams have beat the two powerhouses in the league the past few years anyway. And you just uh, know it, that these teams can beat anybody. So it's going to be interesting when they face off against each other. And also at stake here, Rachel, I mean, it's looking like the one, two right now is, is Grand Canyon and Utah Valley. And depending how that series go goes, that uh, those will be the top two teams potentially in the tournament and why that's important this year with Chicago state opting out. We have two teams that would have a bye mm-hmm. in the first round. So you want to be in those top two. So you won't have to play until Friday. But right now, the number three seed, if we started the tournament today, that's California Baptist with a five-to-five mark, and then Seattle U uh, right after that. So these are teams that they might be facing each other in the WAC tournament, uh, or, you know, they're they're definitely trying to get some uh, positioning as we head into WAC Vegas. I know I've talked about it over and over and over again, but these back-to-back series have helped the teams lead up to WAC Vegas where they will play a back-to-back game. So excited to see that series light up this weekend and uh, we're going to take a quick break and when we return we're going to talk women's hoops we already mentioned CBU and the women's team clinching the regular season title but there's still plenty more women's hoops to talk about we'll be right back we would like to thank our sponsors of the WAC podcast Hercules Tires and Adidas now back to Eric and Rachel Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner and Rachel Veal come at you. We talked men's hoops. Now let's talk a little bit of women's hoops. Eric, CBU already clinching the regular season title with that undefeated record of theirs. And we will see them back this week. They're going to play Seattle in the Emerald City uh, this upcoming week. But yeah, everything's clinched for them. So it will be interesting to see how Coach Jared Olson handles this week as uh, they get ready for WAC Vegas. I'm sure they want to keep the undefeated streak going as long as they can. But uh you know, if they have any injuries, anything like that, if they're going to be resting players, you know, that they, they could also be a part of the equation, I guess, since everything's kind of wrapped up for them coming into this week. Now, Seattle U played Grand Canyon this past week, and this was a series that was our featured series of the week, and both the teams were tied heading in, and Grand Canyon uh, didn't get that memo. They they were like, hey, we're the powerhouse here. They went 90-43 to 43 and follow that up with an 80-64 to 64 win, so GCU, after getting a, having a couple of hiccups, if you will, uh, seems to be back on track after uh, two big wins over Seattle. They know they're in the running with Utah Valley right now for a second. So they got to keep those wins coming in because, uh, I mean, Wax Herman's right around the corner. You obviously <laughs> want to play the lower seed. That's just that, right? So I'm sure they're going to keep it going. 
and we'll see Utah Valley play as well this week. Utah Valley will play Tarleton. That's going to be Tuesday and Wednesday. So again, trying to make some games up after the uh, COVID and, and all that stuff, all these games were postponed. So Utah Valley was at UTRGV on Friday, Saturday. So I assume they stayed in Texas and now we'll be playing Tarleton on, on Tuesday, Wednesday. So getting four games in in a short amount of time. And Tarleton, that, that's a team as the season's gone along, Rachel, uh, they're fun to watch, the Texans, and they split their series with New Mexico State. So they've been a, a tough out, if you will, especially the second half of the WAC season. And uh, Coach Misty Wilson has done a, a great job there. Now they're playing that gauntlet as well. So they're playing Tuesday, Wednesday, and then also again Friday, Saturday. So Utah Valley, this is uh, the end of their regular season when they play Tarleton. Tarleton comes back and then plays on Friday and Saturday. So it's going to be quite a week for the Texans and they, they uh, playing some tough opponents as well. Those final four games, four games in five days, it's a lot of basketball right before the WAC tournament, uh, Utah Valley though, having the ticket smarter player of the week and it's Josie Williams. It's interesting because Josie has uh, received this award many times and much like Florida <laughs> Zamac, who's our men's ticket smarter player of the week, just so consistent. You can, you can mark her down for 17, 18, 19 points count on, eight to 10 rebounds a game. She's going to have a high field goal percentage. She's going to block some shots, such a model of consistency and, and what a luxury for Dan Nielsen to have to be able to get a bucket, especially late in games. Uh, when they're playing UTRGV, those are pretty close games. Uh, but Josie Williams was able to come through with some big buckets and earns the ticket smarter player of the week. Last game on the slate for basketball this week, New Mexico State will head to Chicago State to end the season. We'll forward to seeing that matchup as well. Now let's talk about all the other sports that we got on the agenda, Eric. We laugh about this every week, but we got baseball, men's soccer, women's soccer, softball, volleyball. You can just count them. So we'll start off with baseball. I was obviously at the Waxwing Championships, Eric, so I'm going to let you take this one away. All right. Uh, Sacramento State's uh, Trevor Doyle is the hitter of the week. He had 500 in a three-game sweep of Texas State now. This, this uh, matchup came up late. Uh, they were supposed to play Pacific. This matchup came up on, I believe, Thursday or Friday. Texas State comes out to Sacramento State to play. So I, I don't know what all the circumstances were, but they get those games in. Texas State also a team picked to win their conference. So three big wins by Sacramento State. The pitcher of the week, Alex Pinedo from Tarleton, striking out seven in a complete game shutout win over Northwestern State. So the Texans baseball team looking really good this year. I'll move on to men's soccer since we have all our players of the week uh, to get through here. Dixie State's Idris Alabi. I, I want to say Idris Alba every time I was reading it. Got like the actor, but he's our offensive player of the week. Scored two goals for Dixie State at uh, UIW. Now remember Incarnate Word did beat UNLV earlier in the season. So this is a, a really good win for Dixie State on the road, and he scores both goals to get our Ticket Smarter Offensive Player of the Week. Thomas Beecham from CBU is our Defensive Player of the Week. The Lancers allowing just one goal in two games. Beecham scoring in a, a two-to-one win at Houston Baptist as well. So congratulations to our Men's Soccer Ticket Smarter Players of the Week. Yeah, and uh, the Men's Soccer Tournament here in like a month and a half to be back <laughs> in Vegas where I was at, and then we've got women's going to be in Phoenix. Women's will be in Phoenix, Utah Valley's Juliana Carter, Offensive Player of the Week. She had five points in a pair of victories over New Mexico State. Now, they're playing off-site at an indoor facility uh, in their, uh, their campus there, and uh, 
you know, part of that's with, with the weather and all that good stuff. I mean, we don't normally play soccer in February. Now it's March. Uh, but uh, they were playing indoors as Air Force was, uh, their men were playing on a different facility. They were playing at their lacrosse field, which is turf, and they were able to, to get all the snow off of there because I know you're in Vegas, uh, but uh, we did have some snow here in uh, Colorado this past Quite the week. dumping, I heard. Uh, a shout out to uh, Roland Vargish, our, uh, our fantastic analyst that we've had for the Wack Men's Soccer Tournament, was doing play-by-play, and you could just hear the frigidness in his voice <laughs> and, and the wind on his microphone in that one. But uh, Utah Valley actually picked up a win on the men's side. The women sweep New Mexico State. Also, uh, women... Uh, Seattle U picking up a pair of wins and Madison Wagsback is our defensive player of the week. She had nine saves and two shutouts for Seattle U who appear to be back rolling again. And our volleyball tournament got moved, Eric. It did. Uh, we were going to have it at New Mexico state. Of course, the Aggies have not been able to host any uh, games or matches this year. So the deadline was uh, end of February, early March decision was made to move the tournament to Utah Valley uh, who hosted last year and Utah Valley playing very well there six and two New Mexico State of course the team to beat they are eight and0 oh. they did have their two games uh, this week on Monday and Tuesday postponed Grand Canyon also six and two Dixie State by the way in volleyball five and five. So very uh, sneaky good there for the Trailblazers right out of the box and softball speaking of Dixie State, <laughs> Uh, Michaela Thompson, Offensive Player of the Week. She hit three home runs in one game this past week against Northern Colorado, and that was a 15-14 to 14 victory in extra innings. So Dixie State, uh, after hitting some bumps on the road, playing some real tough competition early in the year, they have now uh, got some wins under their belt. She's our Ticket Smarter Offensive Player of the Week, the, the Pitcher of the Week on the softball side, Julia Wernett from Tarleton. She had four wins and 17 strikeouts. Uh, it's interesting with softball, they're, they're still getting all these games in in these tournaments. And mm -hmm. so shout out to the coaches there for keeping the schedules going. And because, uh, you, you know, you look at basketball, some of these other sports, there's uh, not as many games or matches. And but uh, softball seems to be rolling right along. They're just rolling with it. You're right. Uh, Eric, I also want to give you a huge shout out right there because within like four minutes, you said 10 or 12 names. So that's we, not We're not 100% sure those are all correct. So uh, our apologies to any mispronunciations there. <laughs> and on that note, we are going to send it over to the third segment of the WAC podcast where we sit down and talk with Ben Lures, the head coach for UNLV men's and women's swimming. We'll be right back. Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference and for over 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value. Whatever the vehicle and whatever the terrain, Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength. For a retailer near you, visit HerculesTires.com. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner along with Rachel Hill, as promised. We're joined by UNLV swimming and diving coach, Ben Lors, coach, congratulations on a WAC championship this past weekend. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Coach, first off, well, what led to this? I mean, what you, you were the favorites coming in. Uh, Air Force has been kind of the team to beat the last few years. What did yeah. you have to do to beat Air Force and the rest of the WAC this week? Yeah, you, you know, it's partially, Eric, the, the culmination of, of course of a lot of years of recruiting and culture building and, and putting together a squad that's got good depth and breadth. And so, uh, you know, in some ways there's no, no magic pill. There's no secret to it. It's just, uh, you know, 
accumulation of a, a lot of years of trying to put together what we thought would be a championship squad and pleased to say that it was, um, you know, in terms of this year, particularly a COVID year, um, certainly all of us, uh, you know, had some, some hiccups and some, some people out for quarantines or whatever else. I mean, you know, and, and being, just being able to, to manage that well and keep moving forward um, through, through any sort of adversity, that was certainly a big piece of this particular year. In a strange year already with COVID, how much extra does winning this championship mean to your crew? Yeah, we, we definitely talked about that in that some, some may look at this as sort of an asterisk year as like, oh, well, you know, it's COVID year, like this team got to train this or this team didn't get to do that or whatever. But for us, that asterisk means a lot more actually that, hey, you know, we did an amazing job of, of um, having a culture. Uh, of, of really protecting ourselves against uh, getting shut down, uh, a culture of really doing what it, what it took. I mean, a lot of extra hours in the week for the staff, for sure. And I know we're not unique in that. I'm not saying we are, but, um, you know, instead of kind of taking the, uh, the, the off-ramp this year, you know, we really decided to push back against that adversity. And so, yeah, we, we believe that, that that means makes this championship more special, for sure, because the student-athletes certainly – sacrificed a lot and they always do as you guys know in division one you, you know you sacrifice a lot uh, on your social calendar and just your you know your future plans and whatever to, to do this and do it at a high level um and whatever a normal year entails this year was was triple that for sure coach lures as you mentioned different year with covid and part yeah. of that led to actually you getting to host the championships this year normally right past few years we've been in Houston and combined men's and women's and diving and weren't able to do that this year in terms yeah. of hosting, this was the first time in 26 years UNLV hosted the WAC championships yeah I have to imagine that that might be a positive in a way uh, that we had to separate sure things. yeah you know I mean you can talk about a home field advantage and frankly in swimming it's something that we've never really as you noted, never really had, or even had a concept of like, Hey, is this going to play to our advantage or not? Like I, you know, I really wasn't sure. Um, you know, I'm pleased to say that this is a much faster pool than it was in the eighties, uh, nineties, you know, they, they redid the pool in 2009. And so, uh, you know, we, we used to, uh, race actually down here at the, the diving board end. Um, and, and then this end, uh, was, was shallow. It was like three and a half feet deep. That is no longer the case, you know? So we're, we're seven feet deep minimum all the way across. And so it's, uh, you know, we've got backstroke wedges and, you know, all the, all the tricks and bells and whistles that make it a much faster pool than it was back then. Um, you know, one thing that was unique to, to, to being here that initially I wasn't super excited about is like, okay, you're not traveling. You don't have the whole team together like in a hotel and you know can debrief after each session and and sort of have that 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 team travel experience that i i think lends to the excitement and sort of the the puts everybody on notice like hey this is the big meet you know um i was a little worried initially about you know hey is it is this we're going to be able to get up for this meet um with everybody just sort of rolling in like they roll in from practice from their apartment or whatever you know walk into the pool from the dorms um and, you know, I'm pleased to say I needn't have worried about that. That ended up being uh, not really a factor like I was worried that it would be. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, hopefully we, we get to go back to, to Houston or somewhere else next year. I mean, that's a super fast pool and, and we love going there. So, um, but, you know, whatever it takes to, to have a championship, we're just glad we were able to, 
to provide a space where we could get it done and get it done affordably for the conference. Coach, as somebody that was able to watch it live, the meet, there were a lot of really yeah. close races and there was a lot of yeah. fun to watch. Was there one in particular that you were really holding your breath on? Man, holding our breath. I, I mean, always the sprints, you know, certainly the 50 free, uh, you know, we, um, we did a good job of delivering at finals. I mean, that was anybody's race. There was no clear front runner in that race. And you got some, some great athletes in there. I mean, you got, you got Corey Shepard, you got, you know, got, you got Flo from Grand Canyon. I mean, you know, some really, you know, any, any could have been anybody's race. And so that was certainly one that we we're holding our breath on. Um, pr- probably, you know, in, in retrospect, another one we were holding our breath on Rachel was just the very first race of the entire weekend, which was the 200 medley relay. I mean, that's something where air force was just lights out a year ago, but we knew we, we had a good shot at that this year. You know, we knew we'd assembled a really good two medley. Um, and so, uh, and that, that one's always such a short, fast race. It's such a barn burner. Uh, you know, we were definitely holding our breath before that one and, and happy to say we were able to to come out on top of that one. And um, so, yeah, there's a couple uh, that were close like that for sure. We're talking with Ben Lors, the head swimming and diving coach at UNLV. And as uh, Rachel mentioned, there were some great races there and you had some great performances specifically in the distance races. You, you broke some yeah. records there. Yeah, we did. And, and those are ones where probably we weren't holding our breath uh, because we, we, we sort of knew after prelims, like, Hey, you know, this is, this is ours to, to, to take care of if we, if we've got the grit to do it at night and uh, really, really proud of our, our distance crew, uh, both the 500 and the 1650. I mean, that was really unprecedented as far as I know. Um, you know, I don't know the entire 40 year history of the WAC, but I, I know it decently well. And I, I've never seen anything like that in a distance events. I mean, it was pretty, pretty remarkable what those guys were able to do. And of course you've got Vuk at the top, you know, he's a world-class talent. And so you, you know, you want to hats off to him and he's going to NC2As now. So we're really proud of him. And, and certainly him leading the way made a huge key contribution to what that group was able to do. Uh, no question about that, but also you got to look at guys like Cam Castro, you know, who a year ago did well in this event. He was top eight at conference, but you know, he was, you know, 1533 and for him to, you know, lop off 24 seconds in that event and, you know, be coming in at number 31 in the country right now. I mean, that's just monumental improvement uh, in, in a year's time. And, uh, you know, this is a guy who, you know, I mean, he was like, when we got shut down, he's from Southern California, uh, as is Chris Macon and both those guys in that group, you know, we get shut down for all summer. And those guys, I mean, Cameron was out there in the ocean, uh, as was Chris. I mean, they were out there doing two hour ocean swims all summer long until their pools got reopened. It's like, yeah, that, those kind of time drops don't happen by accident. You know, they happen with guys who are like, Hey, this is what we got to do. We're distance swimmers. Like, let's go get some volume in, you know, and they got their dads out there like paddling along in a kayak for two hours in the ocean, you know, while they just get it done. So uh, hats off to them for uh, not only delivering it to championship, but for having the foresight way back in June to, to take care of business. That's some real dedication right there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. You know, and as any coach knows, like having a distance group that has dedication, I mean, that's money in the bank. You know, you can't really have a, a dominant distance program without guys who get it and who, uh, you know, have dedication uh, when they're by themselves. I mean, that's Anson Dorrance's quote, you know, Anson Dorrance, the uh, head coach of, uh, of North Carolina uh, women's soccer for all those championships. And, you know, he's like, yeah, that's the vision of a champion is somebody who's 
you know, uh, bent over, exhausted, drenched in sweat uh, when nobody's watching. And that's, that's, that's a champion. Coach, uh, what, one other question for me. In terms yeah. of the split, so you guys are there at UNLV uh, having the men's championship, but the diving's taking place at Northern Arizona. Uh, nice. How much of an eye are you keeping on that and keeping track uh, in terms of what you need to do on the men's in the men's pool there? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and that was certainly the case with the Mountain West Championship a week prior as well, because they were out at Air Force Academy. So both of us had, uh, you know, split championships in swimming and diving. And yeah, we, we follow every session, 100%. Uh, you know, my, uh, my associate head coach, Pat, is uh, amazing at uh, deciphering divemeets.com. I mean, he's really good at, you know, so we rely on him a lot. I mean, he's like, refresh, refresh, refresh. He's like, here's what's going on. Oh, Jesse needs to score a 48 on this, you know, dive in order to be top three or, uh, you know, so uh, we, we rely on coach Pat a lot to, uh, to keep us up to date, but yes, we are all on it and, and updating that uh, as we go every session for sure. Well, coach, this won't be the last one for me as well. You had a pretty big lead when it comes to points, especially going yeah. into the last day. At what point did it really sink in that you had won the championship? Yeah, that's a good question, Rachel. I, I mean, you know, we, we knew after, prelims on Friday, to be honest, that, that probably if we just continued to do what we were going to do, that it was going to, it was going to roll our direction in the end. Um, you know, we, we stacked enough people in the Friday prelims that we thought, yeah, as long as we keep delivering and, and there's no major, you know, sort of quarantine business or something crazy like that, like, yeah, like this, you know, this, this meets going our way. And, and at that, at that point, it became a, a different challenge because I felt like our Friday night session was a little bit lackluster, to be honest, in terms of energy. And uh, don't get me wrong, there were some phenomenal swims in that session, so I don't want to detract from what those individuals did. But as a group, we were a little bit lackluster. And so we really challenged the guys. We're like, hey, this is not, you know, um, the ninth round of a boxing match where the points have been decided and you're just dancing around each other for the last round. Like, you know, our job is to keep throwing punches no matter what, no matter, and, and really ignore the score and really do what we're capable of doing and bring the energy like, like we've been bringing it uh, that that's our job, no matter what. And and so uh, the guys, to their credit, did a, a really great job of that on Saturday. And and uh, yeah, the the high point score you see, I believe, was a um, a result of that. The guys not taking their foot off the gas pedal. So credit to them. Coach, I'd like to have one more question for you. Yeah. Uh, NCAA is coming up. When do you find out yeah. uh, how many swimmers you have going, and and what are your preparations for the NCAA's now that you're kind of in this limbo after the championships? Yeah, you know, and at this point, uh, we don't really seem, uh, Eric, to have anybody uh, on the bubble. Uh, Vuk looks to be in solidly, uh, and then it looks like everybody else will probably be uh, just out. Obviously, a couple other teams waiting on guys. We've got Jesse going to diving zones, you know, so um, and Jamie. Uh, so, you know, those guys will have a chance to make it uh, on the diving side. So, you know, that's part of the preparation. They'll be back in the water today and, and prepping for zones next week. Um, you know, we, we've had Vuk in the water this morning. As you can see, we're behind me. We're set up long course. Uh, so for a distance swimmer, that's a good chance to kind of refresh his aerobic system a little bit and uh, get his stroke, stroke lengthened out. Uh, and so we'll, we'll get him going there. Um, you know, we've got a couple guys who are maybe in the 30s, 40s, uh, but probably we think once Pac-12 finishes up, those guys will probably be out. So looks like just Vuk right now, maybe diving. And uh, part of that preparation is to uh, sharpen him up in terms of his uh, – his turns and his underwaters, you know, he is, uh, 
uh, long course world ranks. And, um, you know, he does better in that sort of, uh, that sort of setup. And so for him to really compete against the top guys in the country, uh, he's got to get much better in and out of his walls. And so that's something where we feel like um, three weeks is enough time to, to, to make some, some ground there. You know, we're not going to do a lot in terms of improving his anaerobic capacity or something in the next three weeks. We just need to keep him in a good spot. But there's certainly some things like his turns that we can clean up and, and make some good headway even in a few weeks. And so that's, that'll be our focus with him. Well, Coach, thanks so much for joining us. We really do appreciate it, and congratulations. Yeah, thanks so much, you guys. Appreciate the time. All right, that is Ben Lures, the head swimming and diving coach at UNLV. Thanks for listening to this episode of the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACSports.com.